I'm going to talk today about the Holy Spirit after revival, as you can see on the screen behind me. Amen. Now, I kind of already alluded to you that we, uh, we need to understand that revival did not end because what we called revival, the series of meetings, ended. In fact, what we want that to do, we just want that to be the kindling that we lit, and it lights a fire under us. Amen. It's, it's funny how we can uh, do something and uh, kind of bring people in and uh, do, make something special out of it, and people get excited. But then when we go back to the normal Sunday thing, it's hard to keep that same excitement. And I want to tell you what we do here. As Christians, we should, be, we should come expecting the Lord to do something every week. Amen? We should come excited to see what the Lord is going to do every week. And so it's very dangerous sometimes. I love doing revivals, but the danger of doing revivals is, is that we think, oh, well, we can get excited that week, and then we just uh, go back to yawning the next week. Amen? And that is not the way. I, I say yawning, and I see Brother Martin over <laughs> Brother Martin told me today, uh, prom was last night, and Brother Martin and Amanda helped. And Brother Martin told me this morning, he said, Brother Mark, don't take anything personal, but I'm working on one and a half hours of sleep. Amen. <laughs> so, so uh, Brother Martin, I'll try to spit at you every now and again. All right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I want us to keep that excitement. I want us to continue. Uh, again, we should not just be bringing lost people when it's a, a meeting called revival. We should not just be excited when it's a meeting called revival. We shouldn't just be uh, telling people about our church when it's a meeting called revival. That's stuff we should be doing every single week. Amen. And so what I want to talk about today was all this excitement that started last week. I want us to continue that, and I want us to uh, keep that momentum going, keep that excitement going. Amen. And so uh, one of the best ways to do that is to ask the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and move in our lives. Amen. Uh, the Bible says that once you got saved, you became filled with the Holy Spirit. Does everybody believe that? Does everybody believe that? Do we always live like that? No. <laughs> Amen. In fact, I would say it's much harder to live like it uh, than to realize that's the fact. So what keeps us from living a life that is full of the Holy Spirit. If the Bible promises that if you're a Christian and you ask Jesus into your heart that the Holy Spirit does live inside of you, then what makes it so hard for us to maintain that every week? Well, one of the things is because the devil, just like he tried to do this morning. The devil, I can tell you the devil worked on me hard. All the week prior to revival, all the week of revival, and all the week after revival, amen? And I got here this morning, and guess what? He had not let up, amen? He was making everything go wrong that could go wrong, amen? And I'm here to tell you, the devil, you know, Brother Herman made a, an observation, and he said this, the devil does not mess with stealing from an empty house. So sometimes you wonder, why is the devil always all over me? Well, there's a good indication that you must be doing something right. Because the people that are living like the devil and living like hell out there in the world, uh, the devil don't have to mess with them. They're already doing exactly what he wants to do. The devil does not need to go steal from an empty house. But when the house is full of the Holy Spirit and full of the good things of God, then the devil wants to enter into that house and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? So everything good that God did here last week, the enemy wants to steal, kill, 
and destroy it. Every good thing that happened, every person that got saved, every life that was changed, every person that said, you know what, I need to be doing better, I need to live better, the devil wants to get you off track. And so immediately, he cannot change your mind on the decision, but what he can do is he can immediately try to render it ineffective and start messing with you, all right? And he can get your mind on other things, all right? The devil talks about, uh, the Bible talks about that the devil will, uh, you know, uh, he uses that parable where he tried to plant the seed. He said, some seed fell on good soil, but some of it got choked out by the weeds, amen? And then some of it fell on hard soil, and it never could take root, never could take ground, amen? And so we've got to understand, the devil will try to do that. You made a decision for the Lord last week, or maybe it was before that. I'm here to tell you, the devil will get right on you. And you'll say, well, man, I thought, I, got, I thought if I got saved, everything would just start going smooth and everything would start going my way. Can I tell you, no, 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 no. In fact, quite the opposite is true, amen? The day I got saved, I'm here to tell you it felt wonderful, but the devil started on me the very next day, amen? And I, he had never really messed with me before. I got saved when I was 15 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was 15, I could get in a lot of trouble, amen? 15 is prime getting in trouble age, amen? And so at 15 years of age, I got saved, and guess what? The very next day, uh, these people started showing up and wanted to be friends with me that uh, were not good influences. Things I started getting invited to parties and different things that were not places I needed to be as a Christian. All these things started happening, and the devil started bringing all these things up at 15 years of age. I had just entered, I got saved the year, uh, the summer, right before uh, my sophomore year of high school. So I would just, now back then, uh, you didn't start high school till 10th, 11th, 12th grade. So I was just entering high school. So you want to talk about a heyday. The devil says, oh, this boy, we're sending him into the playground, amen? I'm going to give him all sorts of opportunities, all right? So the devil started right away. And things that I'd never had to deal with, I never had to deal with a conscience. You ever wonder why, why do I feel guilty about doing that now? You know, before I got saved, that didn't bother me at all. I did that all the time, and it never bothered me. It's because the Bible says the Spirit of God now lives inside of you. So that's why it bothers you. There is a Spirit in you that lives inside of you now as a saved individual that does not bear witness with the spirit that lived in you before. Now, I can hear, I'm can i here to tell you, we're going to talk about the spiritual realm today and the Holy Spirit. And there are only two sources for spirits. It's either of God, can you guess what the other one is? Or of the devil, amen? There are only two sources of spiritual warfare, and it's either good or bad. So I'm here to tell you, if you've got a spirit living inside of you or trying to influence you and it's not a good spirit, then where do you think it's from? It's from Satan, and he will do everything he can. And many times what happens is uh, the, the devil will send a demon and say, you know, uh, Mark's really struggling in this area over here, so I'm going to send this demon over here to just kind of mess with him and put some temptation in his way. And uh, he sends that demon over there, and all of a sudden I don't realize it. Now I'm a saved individual the Spirit of God and this demon, they're having spiritual warfare. And there is this thing, I know there's something going on inside of me, but maybe I can't, even, I can't even call what it is. Maybe I can't even put a name on it, but I know there's something going on inside of me. And I'm here to tell you, that's spiritual warfare, and that's the first indication that you've got the Spirit of God living within you, because when you try to do the wrong thing, you should be convicted. In fact, let me tell you this. He says, if you're really my child, 
then you, you will be convicted. If, you're, if you can do something wrong and you know it's wrong and you don't feel any guilt or remorse about it, you don't feel any conviction about it, then you need to check out your relationship with him. Because he says, if you're really one of my children, then I'm going to chastise you. I'm going to discipline you. Uh, if, if you don't get disciplined, he literally calls you this. You are an illegitimate child. You are an illegitimate child. So do you realize that's, that's a great indicator? When you feel that conviction, that's a good thing. When you feel that conviction, that means the Spirit of God is living inside of you, and he is trying to point you in the right direction. He is trying to point you away from that other spirit, all right? So we're going to look at several things today about the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the first scripture, John 14, verses 16 through 17. We're going to hit a lot of scripture today, so uh, stay with me, all right? I need some coffee. It says this, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Next verse. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. All right. Now, the first thing we recognize from this verse, the Holy Spirit is not an it. Now, I want to tell you, I, I used to be this way. If you're a good old Baptist, uh, they used to use this word too. You, we Holy Spirit's, Scary enough, kind of scares us off, but uh, you get real spiritual. Some people call it the Holy Ghost, and uh, a lot of Baptists, they get real nervous when you start talking about that Holy Ghost stuff, amen? Oh, I don't know about that Holy Ghost stuff, amen? I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is literally the Spirit of God, all right? It's the Spirit of God. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, all right? And non-believers, in this verse, what it says is that non-believers will not understand the Holy Spirit. Until I got saved, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. This is why, you ever notice before you got saved, you tried to read the Bible, and it was like a bunch of mumbo-jumbo? It didn't make any sense to you? And then all of a sudden, you get saved, and you open that same Bible, maybe even go to the exact same verse, and all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb goes off. Do you know why? This verse right here tells you why. Because the person who does not have the Spirit of God within them will not be, under, be able to understand the Word of God. It is revealed by the Spirit of God. That's why you can read the Bible all day before you get saved. And until the Spirit draws you and you get saved, it won't make any sense to you. But now it becomes like oxygen to you. All right? It's something you've got to have every single day. All right? Next scripture is John 16, 7. All right? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This was Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, I know all of us think, wouldn't it have been awesome to be able to be there and walk with Jesus? Yes, definitely. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus was very limited. Jesus knew himself what he's telling these disciples here before he leaves. He said, I've got to leave. Because, see, I am all God, but I'm also all man, and I'm flesh and blood. And guess what? Here's what he said. There's only one of me. There's only one of me. And so Jesus' influence was very limited because it was only one of him. And Jesus knew. He said, I've got to leave. I've got to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. Because the Holy Spirit is going to have the ability to reach Martin and to reach Jared, to reach me, to reach over here, to reach everybody in this room simultaneously at the same time. He is not bound by physical limitations, all right? So Jesus knew, 
I've got to leave so the Holy Spirit can come because what the Holy Spirit's going to do, he knew what was coming the day of Pentecost. you remember that? Where the Holy Spirit showed up for the first time and 3,000 people got saved? And that's because it was more than just one man. That was a spirit that could move and move in every single heart in a large crowd of people. Amen. That's an awesome thing. It would have been wonderful to walk with Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, you and I live in an age of power that was not even available back then. Amen. And we live in that age of power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I'm going to give you five things. The Holy Spirit gives you the power of five different things. All right. Number one, the Holy Spirit gives you the power of salvation. To be born again. To be full of the Holy Spirit. Two scriptures on this. John chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. He says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. All right? And uh, verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. All right? Uh, Born again. Does everybody understand what born again means? Uh, Because Nicodemus, you remember Nicodemus asked this question, What in the world does that mean, Jesus? Can I go back into my mother's womb? Uh, and he was like, you need to explain this to me. And Jesus, this is what he told him. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but you need a spiritual birth. You need a new birth. And that which is born of the spirit is born of the spirit, all right? So you've had your physical birth, Nicodemus, but you need a spiritual rebirth, all right? All right, and then Romans eight sixteen says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, all right? So the number one thing the Holy Spirit gives you the power is to know that you're saved. Can I tell you today, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you're saved and going to heaven, uh, you need to get that right. There is no reason anybody in this room should leave wondering whether they're saved. And you say, well, Mark, How can you be so sure of that? I can be so sure of that because of the Word of God. The Word of God says that uh, all I have to do, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be. Yes. Is Is it true or not? But see, we just can't buy that. That's too easy. We think it's got to be, well, I'm, but I've got to be good enough. And, uh, but I did, you don't know what all I did this past week. And you don't know what things are in my past. I can unequivocally say it doesn't matter. If you have called upon the name of the Lord and you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you have called upon his name, you are saved. I can say it unequivocally because it has nothing to do with me. Praise God. Amen. It has everything to do with Jesus. And so you don't have to doubt. You don't have to wonder. And I'm here to tell you, the devil will use doubt and wonder to keep you stagnant. He will keep you locked up in not being able to ever do anything for God because you will always wonder, I wonder if I'm really, man, you know, it's just like I, I, I just keep sinning. Uh, I, got, I got news for you. You're going to keep on sinning. Amen. You're going to be a sinner. You were born a sinner. You're going to die a sinner. Amen. The difference is are you going to die a saved sinner or a lost sinner? Amen. That's the only difference. All right. So if you are wondering uh, Brother, Brother Mike used to call it this, uh, getting it nailed down, all right? So if you need today, if you need to nail that down, I tell people all the time, if you go through life and it is eating you up alive about whether you're not sure whether you're saved or not, it's too easy. Just nail it down today. Nail it down. Put a stake in the ground say, you know, right here, I'm going to settle this right here once and for all today. Amen. Don't let the devil keep having the victory in your life, all right? 
Okay, so number two, the Holy Spirit gives you power to walk in God's will for your life. All right, scripture on that is John 14, 26. It says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You know the Holy Spirit helps you memorize scripture? Do you know that? One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, you see what it says right there? He will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's a pretty amazing piece of scripture, isn't it? This is where God says the Holy Spirit will help you. You say, well, I can't even remember my own phone number. I can't even remember my own name half the time. Well, guess what? You have the ability to memorize scripture more than you think so. Number one, because God wants you to memorize it, and the Holy Spirit wants you to memorize it, and he will help you bring it to memory. Did you know there are times uh, something will happen in my life and a scripture will pop out of my mouth and I didn't even realize I had it memorized? That ever happened? Because I've just been in church so long and I've heard it and the Holy Spirit, when I need it, brings it right up where I need it, brings it to my memory, amen? So let the Lord help you uh, memorize scripture. Do you know, we live in a day and time, you live in America, probably everybody here, you could walk into every house represented here and there'd probably be 10 copies of the bible somewhere in the house amen you know there are countries where nobody has a bible did you know that if uh, things could go bad to where maybe we wouldn't have a bible where would you be here's the question where would you be if all the bibles were taken up if all the bibles were destroyed in any form where would you be whatever you don't have up here would be lost amen This is why scripture memorization is so important. What if we get to a point where all that would be removed from us and the only thing that you had was what was right up here? That's a scary thought, isn't it? But guess what? It could be reality. That There again, another reason why we need to be committing scripture to our memory as much as possible. Amen? All right. Um, So to walk in God's will. Uh, John 16, 13 is the other verse. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. All right? So uh, the Holy Spirit gives you the power of salvation to walk in God's will. Number three, uh, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to share Christ boldly. All right? To share Christ boldly. The scripture on this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says this, in my speech and my preaching... We're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. All right, verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can I tell you what's a miracle right here? Is that God allows me to stand up here and do this at all. Because I'm just like Paul. I don't have any wisdom. I don't know anything. All I can tell you is God called me to this, and all I can do, the best I can do is try to let God speak through me and what God really does when God when I let the Holy Spirit of God work through me it's an amazing thing because just like Paul he says your faith should not be in the wisdom of men shouldn't be in the wisdom of me it should only be in the power of God and the power of his word do you know what changes hearts and lives the opinion of Mark Trammell nope the great wisdom and pearls of knowledge of Mark Trammell nope the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of his word That's what changes lives, amen. And so when I stand up here on Sundays, I literally quiver in fear that I am giving you the power of the Holy Spirit 
and the power of the word, because that's the only thing that's going to change your life. Amen. All right, and then the other scripture is Acts 4.31. And it says this, And when they had prayed, then the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the what? And they spoke the word of God with what? What came before speaking the word of God with boldness? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you want to speak in boldness, and you want to preach in boldness, and you want to be bold in your witness to other people, be filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? Um, let's see. Uh, number four, to live a holy life. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live a holy life, all right? Romans 8, 5, and 6 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is is life and peace. Boy, that's a powerful scripture. Amen. Can I ask you this? If you sit at home tomorrow and you watch TV all day, what kind of mind are you going to have? You're going to be carnally minded or spiritually minded? Carnally minded if you sit and watch TV all day. If you go to work tomorrow and somebody likes to tell all those off-color jokes, and off-color stories at the water cooler. Or maybe you work where everybody's working together and everybody just kind of shares what they did this weekend. And some of it was not extremely pure and holy. And uh, you kind of partake in that and your mind kind of goes there. Where, what, do you think what do you think your mind is thinking? Is it car are you being carnally minded or spiritually minded? Let me, what, my point is this. Almost everything we do on a weekly basis... If we do too much of it and we allow too much of it in our lives, it's going to make us carnally minded. How do you get spiritually minded? What are some of the things you can do? Read your Bible, pray, listen to Christian music, try to surround yourself with things that will make you spiritually minded. Amen? Because everything else in this world, it's going to make you carnally minded. Amen? Uh, I want to tell you, uh, I get out on the road out there, and uh, we've talked about this. I think Brother Herman even mentioned it. Road rage. That's a big thing, amen? I get out on that road. I got to tell you, I'm carnally minded. I ain't being spiritually minded, amen? And sometimes I forget, you know, uh, that's why uh, I don't have a fish on my vehicle, amen? Uh, sometimes people got a fish on their vehicle, and they forget they had a fish on their vehicle, amen? Or a bumper stickers, honk if you love Jesus. Yeah. You got to be very, very careful. Because we get out on the road and we get angry and somebody cuts us off, we ain't spiritually minded, are we? We are carnally minded, all right? So we have to surround ourselves. You know, what, you know when I get spiritually minded, though? The more time I spend around y'all and the more time that we spend together, the more time I spend at church and the more I hear you talking about the things God's doing in your life and the more I get to share with you the things that are doing God's in my life. This place right here is one of the only places that will make you more spiritually minded. This place right here is one of the only places that will point you towards the cross and point you towards Jesus and point you towards life and, and health and peace. Amen. Everything else will point you the other direction. So that's why you've got to be here. Y'all watching on video, you need to get back in church. Amen. Don't get lazy. I know you're sitting there watching in your pajamas, and I know you're comfortable, but this is where you need to be. Amen. That's, that's that sermon. Amen. But you know what's happened? This, the pandemic has made wonderful things. There are people watching on video that might never 
have entered the doors of the church. But I can tell you the bad side and the downside of what it's done, it's made us lazy. It's made us lazy, amen. And I'm here to tell you, don't operate out of fear. Don't operate out of laziness. Yes, I know it's easier to sit and watch me on a computer, but guess what? I can't hug your neck through that computer. I can't pray for you through that computer. I can't listen to your story through that computer. You've got to be here. You are missing a key component of the body of Christ. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. Amen. Amen. All right. So to live a holy life. And then the other scripture is Galatians 5, 16 and 17. It says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right. In verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. This is that spiritual warfare I was talking about. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. All right, if you struggle with your sin, could I get you to go read two things for me? I want you to go and I want you to read Romans chapter 7. And then I want you to go and read Romans chapter 8. Because if you read Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about how this right here. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the very things that I do. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And he says, I struggle. It's my flesh. I struggle with my flesh. And it's just gloom and despair from Paul in Romans chapter 7. But don't stop at chapter 7. Then go on to chapter 8, and Paul turns it around and says, But thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, for it's not me. I'm not living in my flesh. I'm living in the Spirit. Amen? So guess what? If Paul, one of the most spiritual guys we put up on a pedestal, if Paul says, I struggle. I struggle with my flesh. The things I want to do, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing those things. The things that I want to do, I end up not doing those things. And so Paul struggled with it, and that gives me comfort. And then I go to Romans chapter 8, and I get hope and help to understand that I don't have to live that way. The Spirit of God can pull me out of that. Amen. All right. And then number five. Number five says uh, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to make a difference with your spiritual gifts. Can I tell you this? One thing revival, I think, should have done in your life, in my life, is it should motivate us to get off the sidelines. I know you're sitting in a chair right there, and I know I'm standing up here, but it takes a lot to make all this happen. It took a lot to make last week happen with all the revival and stuff. It takes a lot uh, to do a, uh, a big garage sale like that, and I thank God because I told you all I don't like garage sales. I don't do garage sales, but it takes people behind the scenes and everywhere to make all these things happen. I can't make things happen by myself, amen. I'm one guy, and I'm very limited. I can tell you right now, I'm pretty stupid at most things, amen. And I'll just admit that to you, all right. I'm only good at a few things. I'm really not that great at those things, all right. So I'm here to tell you, we need each other, and we need to know what our spiritual gifts are. And God gave you those spiritual gifts not to sit on the sidelines and sit on the bench. He gave you those gifts to be using in the body of Christ. Amen. So whatever gifts you have, whether it be serving, you may say, well, I, I can't do a whole lot. Well, listen, if you have a servant's heart, uh, if you can clean toilets, if you can run a vacuum cleaner, if you can do those type of things, then that is your spiritual gift. Amen. Some people have the gift of mercy. Amen. Now me, not so much. Amen. Uh, Jared wants to come sometimes. He shares my problems. I do listen to him. 
But quite honestly, a lot of times it's like, I wish Jared would just shut up. Amen. <laughs> uh, it's Right now I'm having a hard time having mercy for you. Amen. Some people just have that heart of mercy. They're good at listening to people, and they're good at saying, uh, come and let me, let me cry with you, let me pray with you. And listen, I'll do those things with you, but i, I got to tell you, that's not necessarily a strong suit of mine, a strong gift, amen? Some people are good at being an encourager, just always encouraging people. There are so many gifts that you might not even think are gifts, but God says those are gifts. Some of you have tons of patience, amen? And guess what? When you're dealing with people, you better have a ton of patience. Amen? And God has given you that gift for a reason, to be patient with people. What does the Bible list as spiritual gifts? To be patient, loving kindness, long-suffering, all those qualities that Jesus has, you and I need to have those things. Amen? And so uh, we need to have those spiritual gifts. All right? Uh, the scripture on that, I'm sorry. Uh, Hebrews 2.4 says, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. And then 1 Corinthians 12.7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. God gave you spiritual gifts not to hold to yourself and not for your own glory, but to use in the body of Christ for the profit of all. Okay? All right. I'm going to give you two things of Spirit-filled advice here. Uh, the Holy Spirit. Some of you, like I said, may be scared of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you hear the word Holy Spirit and you think, ooh, that's that spiritual warfare stuff, and I don't, I don't, I don't watch ghost hunters on TV. I don't like all that stuff scares me. Amen. I know some people, you say, you say ghost or spirit, and some people say, ooh, ooh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Amen. Can I tell you this? It's a reality. The Bible says very clearly that there is a spiritual realm that goes on around us all day long that you can't see with your physical eye. So it's very real, but don't, you don't need to be scared of it. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is very real. So rather than being scared of the Holy Spirit, we need to turn around and we need to embrace the Holy Spirit. So here's the first advice. Number one, do not resist the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, immediately do it. I, I would like to tell you I've always listened to the Holy Spirit and I've always immediately done the thing he asked me to do. I would be lying, all right? And I'm here to tell you, sometimes the Lord gives you an opportunity to be a witness to somebody, and that moment will pass very quickly. I've been in a store sometime, and I felt the Lord say, Mark, you need to go over there and talk to that person. And I'm like, well, Lord, I don't even know that person. And the, the Holy Spirit would just tell me, Mark, that person is struggling and you need to go over there and you need to minister. You need to talk to that person. You need to start a conversation with that person. And I just made excuses and I just told them, Lord, I, nah, I don't have time. And they'll think I'm crazy. What will they think of me? And I let all my own pride and my own ego get in the way. And I missed the opportunity. Amen. Many times the Holy Spirit will tell you to do something. And if you don't respond immediately, it will pass very, very quickly. Amen. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it happen in your own life. Don't ever resist the Holy Spirit because it's an honor and a privilege for God to use you. And don't, don't miss that opportunity, all right? Don't resist the Spirit. The scripture on that is Acts chapter uh, 751. It says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. You know who he was talking to? Scribes, Pharisees, the very ones that hung him up on the cross. Amen that led him to slaughter, all right? Uh, number two, not only don't resist the Spirit, 
but be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? Now, I'm going to give you something that probably everybody in this room will be able to relate to. Go to Ephesians 5.18. Anybody here ever drink? I'm waiting on the hands, amen? <laughs> this is how you get a Baptist to drink. That's what he said, amen? Um, I'm going to give you something everybody here can relate to. If you've ever drunk, if you've ever had a drink, all right, maybe you say, well, I've had a drink, but I've never been drunk. Okay, we can still make this relationship. The Lord knew, uh, and Paul knew, because a lot of people would overindulge and overparticipate. He knew the best way to explain to them how they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when you drink too much and you become filled with too much liquor and filled with too much spirit? And you kind of get woozy and you kind of get intoxicated. He says, I want you to be like that, but I want you to be like that with the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Paul said. Paul knew exactly what would, they would relate to. And don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He's literally saying, you know how you get drunk because you've had too much wine and you filled yourself with too much wine? I want you to get full, full of the Holy Spirit like that. I want you to partake in the Holy Spirit so much that you get full of the Holy Spirit that you become drunk with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? But he knew exactly how they could relate to that, all right? So uh, that's what he says. Not only do you not need to resist the Spirit, not only do you need to quit uh, trying to quench the Holy Spirit, but you need to turn around. You need to embrace the Holy Spirit. And you need to say, Holy Spirit, I want to be full of you. Do you know what I pray every morning? I'm going to give you a, a glimpse into my prayers every morning. Part of what I pray every single morning is this. Lord, empty me of me. And fill me with you. Help me today to walk through this day full of you and not full of me. That's walking in the Spirit. Amen. Because human nature is to walk in your flesh. To do what makes you happy. To do what you think you ought to do. To have your schedule and your agenda. To be full of the Holy Spirit is to say, Lord, I put all that aside and, Lord, I want to be where you want me to be. I want to go where you want me to go. Have you ever given the Lord the opportunity and the right to say, Lord, today is yours. I'm just going to put my keys in the car, and you tell me where to go. You ever done that? Most of us get up every day, and we have somewhere we got to be. we got a job we got to go to. But I, I, I challenge you, one day, just get in the car, maybe a day off that you have, put the keys in the car and just say, Lord, I'm yours today. Show me where you want me to go. And he may put somebody right on your mind immediately. I guarantee you, if you will shut everything off and be quiet and listen to him, he's liable to do this. He's liable to say, I want you to go to Jared's house. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, I, I don't know that anything's going on with Jared. No, Mark, I know, but something's going on with Jared, and I need you to go find Jared. Okay, Lord, stick the key in the car, go, and I'm going to go find Jared. And it's amazing if you shut everything else off, if you shut the world off, you shut everything else off, and you say, Lord, make me attentive to what you want to do, and God will lead you exactly where he needs to go. I may not, not, not even know that Jared needed to have somebody to talk to today, but the Lord did, and the Holy Spirit did. Amen. And so that's what happens. The Lord, that's called living full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I would like to tell you that I've lived all my life like that, but I'd be lying. 
But there have been points in my life where I've gotten so close to the Lord that I just felt like the Lord was guiding every single step of every single day. And that's exactly where you want to be. Amen. And I've tasted of that. And once you've tasted of that filet mignon, baked beans just won't do anymore. Amen. You ever eat baked beans? Baked beans are fine. I love baked beans. But I'm here to tell you, after I tasted filet mignon, uh, baked beans didn't cut it anymore. Amen. And that's the way of the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I want to just give everybody the opportunity. Uh, we're just going to have the altar open here. Maybe you just need to come and just pray and ask the Lord to keep you on fire or put you on fire. I'll be here if you want me to pray with you. Brother Martin's going to be here if you uh, uh, want him to pray with you. And uh, you come. And uh, But I always want to give this opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mark, I'm not sure... If I'm saved, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I were to die right now that I'd go to heaven. And I never want anybody to ever have, uh, have to leave this building feeling that way. So if that's you today, maybe you just need to nail it down. I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you'll just pray this prayer in your heart, and your mind, and your spirit, just say this with me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, Lord Jesus, the best way I know how. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and wash my sins in your blood. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, and I want to live my life for you. I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Have you prayed that prayer today? Everybody's head still bowed. I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. you prayed that prayer today for the first time, second time, hundredth time, uh, would you just lift up a hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you, brother. Now, I'm going to ask you in just a moment. We're going to have an invitation. And, brother, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to come down uh, and be brave enough to just say, you know, hey, I asked Jesus into my heart today. There's no shame in that. Maybe you need to come today and just pray. Maybe you need to come today and join the church. Maybe you just need to come and just say, uh, I, need to, I need to pray and uh, just turn some things over to the Lord. Uh, Father, I just pray you'd have your will and your way during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. You need to come. You can pray. The altar's open. Brother Martin will be here to talk with you. I'll be over here on this side to talk with you. You come as you need to. Julie sings. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will show.
God's good, amen, and uh, God is still working, and I, I will make the statement that uh, a revival has just begun, amen. amen, Mother's Day next week, that's right, yes, so uh, bring mom, we'll have, a, uh, we'll have a gift for her, right, amen, Brother uh, Martin is handling all that for me, and Brother Martin is going to be preaching our uh, Mother's Day uh, uh, message, so bring mom with you, amen, we're going to have a great, a great Sunday next Sunday, all right, anything else, did I forget anything? Okay, yes, it's getting to be time uh, for senior recognition, so if anybody's got a senior, come uh, get with Brother Martin so we can get that all lined out. Hard to believe uh, that time of year already, uh, school year come to an end, amen. 
So, uh, man, let's let's pray though. Thank you for being here again. Hey, uh, let's uh, let's keep bringing lost people, keep bringing friends. Uh, everybody knows somebody that needs to be in the house of God and needs a, a church family. Amen. So, I want to encourage you with that. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for all these many decisions. Just, uh, Lord, be with people that are hurting. There's just so much going on. Father God, I thank you for uh, just this past week, God. Be with Brother Herman as he's in revival down in Frankston this week, God. I pray that they'd see a, a move of your spirit down there, Father God, just like we did here. And God, just let the fires of revival continue in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day.